Good morning, I'm Frank Powers and this is Lifestyle Tucson, the program where I speak to our neighbors, the people behind the scenes of our amazing organizations, small businesses, and nonprofits. Our friends are informing you how they serve our community and they are here to give you updates on future projects. Let's make some new friends today. Listeners, let me ask you, where can you find pleasure and search the world for treasure? Learn science, technology, where can you begin to make your dreams all come true on the land or on the sea? Where can you learn to fly, play in sports and skin dive, study oceanography? There's some more lyrics, I'm sure, but by now we all know the answer, and there's only one answer. It's in the Navy. That's right. It's Navy Week here in Tucson. All aboard. During Navy Week, 75 to 100 outreach events have occurred in participation with corporate, civic, government, education, media, veterans, community service, and diversity organizations all throughout the city. Aerographers Mates are the Navy's meteorological and oceanographic experts trained in the science of meteorology and physical oceanography. They also learn to use instruments that monitor weather characteristics such as air pressure, temperature, humidity, wind speed, and direction. Today, I am fortunate enough to speak with aerographer's mate, Chief Petty Officer Brian Stone, and we also have Public Affairs Officer Jill Brown. Welcome to Lifestyle Tucson, Chief Stone. Good morning. Welcome to Lifestyle Tucson, a lieutenant. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Boy, that was a mouthful, all these terms. Just so I'm not all mumble mouth, what is your exact title? So my position is Chief Aerographer's Mate. I'm a chief. I'm ranked E7 in the enlisted a portion of the U.S. Navy. And again, Jill, you're here doing public affairs. That's what I do here at the radio station. So you do that for the Navy? Yes, I do. Heck yeah. So you're the one really that's gotten a lot of stuff going on here for Navy Week. It's a big thing happening here in Tucson. Uh, let me just ask you first, Chief, how have you enjoyed being on dry land and perhaps the driest land here in Arizona? Well, this week has been uh, exceptionally wet I know. the desert. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty fortunate that you're talking to a weather expert during this you know, monsoon that you've been seeing. Uh, glad I brought some rain and chilly temperatures with us. I was going to thank you for doing it. <laughs> um, let's just go right into it. So how long have you been in the Navy? I'm coming up on 15 years. Oh, congrats. Thank you. What made you join the Navy? So I'm from a Navy family. Both my parents uh, were in. They were both active duty. Um, Mom got out after about eight years. Dad did about 26 years. Uh, I moved around a lot as a kid because of it. I'm a San Diego native. Um, but I went to high school and college on the East Coast and always knew that the Navy was in my future. I was very familiar with it, and uh, I wanted to continue seeing the world. Um, when I found out that uh, the Navy had jobs that specifically focused on earth science and weather, meteorology, and oceanography, I already had a natural interest in that. So it was a match made in heaven. Perfect. That's what I was going to ask you. When did you start becoming interested in like oceanography and things like that? So because my parents were in the Navy, we lived in – we lived in states and areas always around the beach. We were very close to the water all the time. Ships exist on the water, so Navy bases, if you like if you like the water, that, that's the service to, to be in. Um, I knew I was always uh, curious about how things worked. Uh, thunderstorms always fascinated me, hurricanes, tornadoes, things like that. Everywhere you live um, in the country and around the world has uh, fascinating natural occurrences that just uh, I had a natural curiosity about. I remember when I was in high school growing up, earth science was one of my favorite things, one of my favorite topics. I was obsessed with the different rocks, you know, the different states and the different style of rocks. And one of my favorite things that I've ever done, and I always recommend anybody, if you ever go on a vacation or a trip somewhere tropical and there's an excursion to do any of that scuba diving or go underwater, 
holy geez, that's one of the most fascinating things I've ever, ever done. I only did it recently. It was beautiful. It was really something. How often do you really just get under the water and look at some things in the ocean? I actually was on a port call in Colombia, and one of the MWR, which is Morale, Welfare, and Recreation, it's one of the organizations that helps sailors uh, get out and explore cities uh, in foreign countries that they're visiting. Um, I got to go scuba diving in the Caribbean and, and check out some sunken shipwrecks during the deployment. So that was that was one of the fun uh, things that I've gotten to do. Right now, professionally, we use a lot of uh, vehicles that get in the water. We don't personally get in there. Uh, we work with the divers, mm -hmm. um, so we provide them information about what's going on with the water and ocean conditions. Okay. Um, but we don't actually get in and dive. So you help the divers just really, you know, take care of things and you're studying and paying attention to well, the metrics going on while you're above, while they're below. Absolutely. Our whole purpose in the Navy is for safety mm -hmm. of navigation and operations, making sure that everybody who is in a submarine, on a surface vessel, or in an aircraft in the sky comes home safe, and we don't lose any equipment in the process. How long have you been out at sea doing this? What's the longest stint you've done? Typical standard deployments are around six months long. Okay. Um, I've kind of in the weird spot where most of my uh, ship tours have only out to sea have been about three months. Um, I bounced around. I was on. I spent time on four different ships, from aircraft carriers to amphibious assault ships. So they're not quite as big. They don't launch uh, jets. Um, they're mostly focused on helicopters and vertical takeoff aircraft. Um, but I've also done a stint on a on a small boy, as we call it, some of the smaller ones, uh, smaller ships that have a different mission set. So they don't carry uh, jets or helicopters. But um, those are more for the mobile mobile environmental teams. Okay, what was that ship you just said? A mobile assault? What? What? Amphibious assault. Oh, that's so cool. That sounds like something GI Joe would use. Exactly. Those are the <laughs> ships that uh, carry the Marines around. So if we're looking to put Marines on shore anywhere in the world, those are the ships that we use. Wow, that's incredible. What special missions does the Navy have as it pertains to oceanography? Oceanography and meteorology, abbreviated METOC. Um, okay. So if you hear me say METOC, that's what I'm just um, compressing those terms. Uh, METOC aspects in the military cover. Um, Everything from uh, environmental conditions from the sun through the atmosphere to the surface of the earth to the surface of the water and subsurface below. We cover everything that uh, can impact missions or personnel or equipment uh, through natural environmental uh, reasons. Um, we have anti-submarine warfare and surface warfare, aviation warfare. We have electronic warfare, um, information warfare. MeTOC plays a role in every one of those uh, areas of warfare. All right, now let's talk about the specialty of what you're doing here, and let's talk to you, Lieutenant. Tell me about Navy Week and what you've done since you've been here in Tucson. Tucson Navy Week is part of our Navy's outreach program. It's an opportunity for us to bring the Navy into cities that don't get to see the Navy that much. We typically wouldn't have a Navy Week event in San Diego or Norfolk, um, so we have brought about 50 to 75 sailors this past week into Tucson, Many of them are actually from Arizona or Tucson, and the sailors have participated in various community projects. Uh, we were at Habitat for Humanity, helping to build a house. We were at the Humane Society. We were at the Reed Park Zoo. We were at um, some of the um, homeless uh, shelters, uh, feeding the homeless. Um, sailors were visiting schools all over Tucson. Uh, we also, um, visited the Tucson Police Department. So sailors were just out in the community. Um, we were helping out the community and also engaging with people, telling people about what we do in the Navy. 
there's still so many people that don't know about all the amazing opportunities that we have in the Navy. And so we get out and we just talk to people and, and raise awareness and educate people about uh, what their Navy is doing for them. And we also want to give back to the community. And so we've been here all week, and it's just been an honor to be able to um, engage with all of um, these events. It's been an honor to have you here. And that's what this show is all about. It's all about the community and really getting some information out and about about some of these programs that exist in our community, but also bigger organizations like the Navy, because some people are, you know, have a lot of preconceived notions. So I have a question for you, and it's a really simple one. It's for both of you. And I have a little bit of an answer. And then you can take it from there. Is It's a question of why should people join the Navy? So I have the answer. We all know that it helps you with college. So for Navy service members, veterans, and their families, paying for college education is easier than ever, thanks to the post-9-11 GI Bill, which provides up to 100% tuition and fee coverage. It provides up to $1,000 per year for books and supplies and potentially provides a monthly living wage. But besides getting some help with school and education, tell me some of the reasons why people should join the Navy that they might not know about. I know that I joined the Navy to see the world, which I have gotten to do. I've gotten to travel to so many different places that most people are amazed when I tell them. I think uh, joining the Navy um, gives you uh, opportunities um, to get uh, skill sets that will carry you out for your future and um, set you up for success, whether you stay in for as many years as I've been in or whether you just want to stay in for four years. I think uh, the Navy has so many different jobs that – People get so surprised about that can give you a future in so many different areas. How long? Uh, how long have you been in there? I've been in for almost twenty-five years. Wow! So I, I have been in for a very long time. So um, I always say that they're going to have to kick me out. Um, <laughs> I'm just having too much fun in the Navy. It's given me travel opportunities, education, um, skill sets. I'm. I was enlisted. I worked my way up to the ranks. I joined the Navy at 18 years old and worked my way up through enlisted and later in life became a commissioned officer. And so I have, I have loved every minute of it and would never turn, turn my career back uh, for the opportunities that the Navy has, has provided me. That's fantastic. We know you've been in there for 15 years. So why do you think other people should join the Navy? And then I want to ask you about some of the places you've traveled. Sure. I mean, me personally, I, I knew that I was always going to be in the Navy. But if people who are not familiar with naval towns, cities, you know, Norfolk, San Diego, if you're in a landlocked, you know, central state or city, you're not going to be familiar with what the Navy can offer or bring. They are the service that's that people most frequently associate with traveling the world, seeing different uh, cities, you know, stopping in many different ports. Um, if you really want to see the world and get out of, you know, your, your situation, whatever you're whatever you're in right now, if you want to just travel, um, find, there's always a job that's uh, available for you in the Navy. There's literally almost every single job that's out in the civilian uh, workforce exists in the Navy as well. Every, a ship is basically a floating city. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are only 500 people. Some of them are 5,000 people. And submarines, obviously, are about 300 people, and they go underwater. But they always stop somewhere. You know, they, you, if you want to go see the Philippines or Thailand or s- anywhere in Southeast Asia, the, I've been to the Middle East three times. Wow. Um, some of my uh, East Coast counterparts have been to Europe and Africa. I've been to South America. It's it's pretty amazing when you really kind of sit back and think about all the places you've been, uh, the places you've seen, the things you've done in those cities, and the friendships. Honestly, that's one of the biggest things I've been telling all the students I've been talking about is I've met you know friends in the Navy that I only knew for a couple years, 
and I haven't seen them in over 10 years, and we talk on almost a weekly basis. Yeah. So some of the best friends I've, I've ever had um, I met over a decade ago, and I don't know when I'm going to see them again, but we're still you know, the best buds. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's a big part of it. Where have you traveled, Lieutenant? Where, where are some of the biggest places and finest things you've ever seen? I've been fortunate to travel all over the world. Um, I would say some of the highlights were I flew into Wake Island, which is a very, very small island in the middle of the Pacific. And there's only, I think, 100 people that live on the island. Um, so it was, we got to spend the night there and um, the, peop- the locals uh, cooked us a, a, a dinner that I'll never forget. I've also uh, been to Japan, Australia, Thailand, all over Europe, Hawaii, Guam, Africa. I've been to uh, Ghana. Um, so I think I've, I've gotten most of the world covered, but I still have some places on my list that I, I'm hoping to see at some point. Yeah, even after 25 years, there's still things to go see. That's something. I love it. Um, I love that you've been talking about really the friendships. That's important. I care so much about the friends that I've made in certain situations because, again, it's like those friends you'll make in college. Those friends might stick with you forever because you're going through something together. It's quite an experience that's unique to yourselves that you can both share and you'll never forget. So that's really something. I know that uh, Navy Week's not over. We've got some memorable things things happening later today. What's happening today at the rodeo? So, yes, we... uh have been part of the rodeo this past week. We had our Navy vocalists sing the national anthem. We had the ceremonial guard guard participate, and we also uh, swore in some new sailors. Uh, But the Navy band is still in town, and they will be performing later today at the Tucson Rodeo. So we hope that you can come out and see us. That's exciting, super fun. We all love the rodeo. It's rodeo days here in Tucson, the last day. It's funny because our friends here visit, and they're like, oh, the schools are closed on Thursday and Friday. For what? Oh, for the rodeo. What was that like? Because we were talking about that. It's ridiculous. That was a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, we, we don't have rodeos in San Diego. No, you certainly don't. And I'll tell you this much. You don't have pandas anymore because I tried to go to the San Diego Zoo. They got rid of the pandas. They were basically on lease. Just, I, I guess, know. Trying to ask for them back. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I based my a lot of my uh, cartooning career around that. Yep. I was shocked to go find no pandas at the San Diego Zoo. But it's an amazing that uh, – tell me more about it being kind of a Navy town. What other Navy towns? You named a few there. What makes a Navy town special? Well, really, obviously, it's the ships. Um, mm-hmm. There's all the coasts, you know, Jacksonville, Bremerton, Whidbey Island, Yokosuka, Japan, um, Guam, all over the place. We have uh, partnerships with our allies across the entire world where we have, you know, permanent established bases where you can get uh, orders and, and live in for wow. a couple of years. Um, I've had the opportunity, didn't get selected for them, but I did have the opportunity to potentially go live in Italy or Germany or Spain or Japan um, or, you know, deploy to Guam. Or there's there's opportunities, um, depending on your job. Mm-hmm. Um, some places you can go, you know, I've got friends who are from, you know, Florida. I, I've never you know, lived in Florida. People from the southeast, northeast, upper Midwest. I mean, you make friends from all over the place, people that you would never otherwise uh, meet and if you're trying to you know get out of your town wherever you are in Kansas or South Dakota if you want to go you know see some some interesting terrain or the ocean for the first time it's amazing some of the people I've talked to this week at the schools have never seen the the beach before right obviously there's a lot of sand around here but <laughs> they, they didn't see the water or the beach which is just um, fascinating to me it's kind of a, a reality check it's like not everybody has had the same opportunities and if you want to um, get out of your town, the Navy would be an, an amazing opportunity for that. 
I believe you. I really do. Um, I really do encourage a lot of people to follow up and and look into it because it sounds like you're even talking to specific kids in a way, mm-hmm. like kids that are maybe a little lost or kids that are troubled. And it's not even troubled kids that need help. I grew up with a lot of folks that just didn't know what they want to be yet at 18. And it's time to, you know, step out and do what you're going to do. And it's tough. Whereas this is a big opportunity. And just like you said, every job that exists for a civilian does exist in the Navy. And I'm willing to bet that a lot of people didn't know that. Tell me a little more about your specific job and your area of expertise. So like I mentioned earlier, um, we do we deal with all of the environmental information that's happening from the space to the Earth's surface and underneath. We take uh, very complex information um, using the supercomputers that produce these uh, weather models. Mm-hmm. And we basically do what you see on the morning and evening news. We stand in front of a screen. We just we explain what's going on currently and what's going to happen as far as the impacts from uh, the atmosphere and ocean. Um, I don't look as good in a cute dress, but you know, I <laughs> sometimes rocking the, the uniforms, you know, stand in front of some pretty important people and you're giving them information for them to make uh, decisions where people's lives are literally on the line. I currently work um, with the Navy Oceanography Special Warfare Command, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm attached to the SEAL teams, uh, the West Coast SEAL teams, and that's why I've deployed to the Middle East three times, including Iraq. Um, you are in that position. You are uh, providing the ground force commanders with uh, critical information where they are making decisions whether to change a timeline of an operation or a mission, uh, which type of aircraft to use. Should they you know, go in a helo- helicopter or go on the ground in, in know in a convoy and and, uh, motorized vehicles Um, and my job is to explain to them here are the risks with every single aspect of this mission and they can make the decision we just provide recommendations but we have to take very complex um, very deep level science and understanding of what's going on in the environment which is constantly changing it's very dynamic and boil that down into an easily digestible format. And we literally just put it in a stoplight chart forecast where it's green, yellow, red. Hmm. Green is good, red is bad, yellow's you know kind of in the middle. And we give them a three or five day forecast. They ask us, you know, hey, when are these conditions gonna improve? And it can be something as simple as, you know, it's too bright outside at night with the full moon. Yeah. Or it could be, hey, we have 40 knots of wind that are creating 20 foot seas. So we don't recommend using, you know, a 12 foot you know, rigid hull inflatable boat, or, or I'm sorry, eight meter or 11 meter rigid hull inflatable boat. It may not seem uh, that obvious, but everybody, uh, as we've seen this week, is impacted by the weather. Um, yeah. It dictates when you leave for work, what you wear to school, if you're going to wear a jacket, jeans, shorts, if you're bringing an umbrella, hoodie, whatever it is. The same thing exists uh, in the military, and it's not just uh, the Navy that does that. We go to school um, with Marines and Air Force personnel as well. Um, our pipeline's a little bit different. So if you decide to join the Navy, you will sign a contract with whatever job you want to do. That was one of the things that drew me to the Navy instead of the Air Force. They couldn't guarantee me a job. They could promise me you, know, you, you might get one or two of these you know, options, but the Navy was like, if this is what you want, we have available spots in the class, sign here, and you're good to go. And I went to boot camp. Uh, boot camp is 10 weeks long now mm-hmm. where you learn um, basic teamwork, Um, how to kind of function as a team. You're going to get really good at watch standing, understanding how to show up on time, not to be late, uh, be in the right uniform. Um, Basically, hold each other accountable. 
you want to make sure that you're on time for your relief because at some point they're going to relieve you and you want them to be on time. Mm-hmm. And some of these uh, life skills for uh, people coming either out of high school or college, um, th- you know, some of them need help developing these things. And that's what makes them attractive to a lot of employers after the military because you know that you're going to get somebody who's who understands how to handle responsibility, um, show up on time. Just doing some of the basics thing will put you far ahead of, of most people in the workforce. Um, once you get out of boot camp, I mean, you will you 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 will work out quite a bit. If you want to get in shape, that's a good way to do it. But you don't have to be concerned with going in and being you know stage ready at a bodybuilding contest. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that show up, um, maybe not in the best shape, but they get in much better shape. But everybody makes it through. Um, the Navy's just looking to push you and and make you a better version of yourself. They're not looking to kick anybody out. They, you know, we want people to join. Right. I mean, we're looking to keep them as long as possible. Once you get out of uh, boot camp, where you learn how to be a firefighter and a damage control um, assistant, where you can help, you know, fix burst pipes or put out fires on the ship, because the the ship when you're out to sea is your lifeline. It is it yeah. is what you live, work, and eat and sleep on. Um, so everybody has to understand that you must save the ship. Um, whatever, if it's a carrier or a submarine or a small you know, cruiser, um, everything in between, everybody is on the same team. We've got to make sure that you know, you're pulling each, other's, uh, pulling each other's weight, got each other's back, and you're saving each other from a potentially dangerous situation. Um, once you get out of uh, boot camp and you have those basics, you're going to go to your, uh, your rate or rating. Your yeah. rating is your job. Um, I'm an AG, aerographer's mate, abbreviated AG. You'll go to that school for however long it is. Um, for ours, it's six months. Some other schools are, are you know, two months, four months. Some of them are a year. Depends on what you do. Um, and that's all based off of what you score on the ASVAB and things like that. Uh, the, the higher you score on that, the more jobs are going to be open to you. If you're looking to be a, a nuclear um, propulsion you know, technician, obviously those are going to be the highest you know, requirements. Um, we're, we're up there as far as weather because we're so science and, and physics and math based. Okay. Um, but then after that, you go, once you get out of your basic school, um, you go out to a, a command and you can deploy and that's where you, you really, uh, hone in on those fundamentals and get really good at, especially for our job, the weather, basically our, our job is the title is split between arrow and grapher and meaning one who draws or illustrates the atmosphere. Um, and so that's what you do when you get out of your basic school is you go out and learn how to observe and encode information. So you're looking at the seas, you're looking at the clouds, you're looking at satellite and all these remote sensing uh, capabilities that we have um, where you're taking observations and you're encoding this and you're sending it to the supercomputers where they update their models and all that. Once you're done with your first tour, um, which is about three years, um, should you want to stay in, you can. And you'll go to a C school or a specific school um, every job, every rating has A and C schools where you learn the basics and then you get kind of funneled into a, a, a pipeline of where your expertise is going to be. For AGs, ours is forecasting the weather. So that's where we learn how to interpret uh, the data and the models that the supercomputers produce. And then we take that information and make some pretty looking forecasts and put it out to people. And so it's pretty complex that we have to um, boil down into about a 30-second to a minute window where we have to get all this information out for everybody to understand. That's impressive. I'll tell you that much because people really don't think uh, about how, A, based on behavior and structure, uh, one domino makes all the dominoes fall. 
you're looking to save a ship, you better make sure everyone knows what they're doing. Absolutely. Right? And then also, it's something I always talk about, because basically uh, this job is called homework the job. Mm -hmm. I I learned a lot, uh, but the thing that I learned in school is that school does provide you structure. And a lot of people get out of school and they're like, oh, good, I never have to do homework again. And people think they're better than the world, but there's a reason the highway has lines in it. Everyone right. thinks they can just drive, but no, you need those lines. Right. Right. And I think that that's a big important thing that people forget about in school. They forget they really learn structure. You learn deadlines. You learn about being on time. And being in the Navy, it sounds like, obviously, you learn all that, but there's a good reason for it. It's not just about uh, being attentive. It's about being kind of assertive and being and growing into an individual that you yourself can be proud of, someone that is in charge, confident, and able to take care of business. And that's really important. And rely on each other and learn team building because that's trust. And I assume that that is a big part of everything. You have to trust everyone you're there with and building that trust, building that brotherhood and that sisterhood is really important. And that's what really does happen in organizations like this. That was really uh, that was really fun to talk about. You guys really made the Navy sound like a lot of fun, just so you know. It is. It's a lot of fun. It's, it is challenging. I'm not going to lie. It's not, you know, it's not always a vacation. Speaking of, you do get 30 days off a year to do whatever you want, and you can go travel the world. Um, if you're already stationed in Italy or Spain or Germany or wherever, you're already in Europe. So if you take a couple weeks off, you can go see the rest of Europe. And, wow. And it's just a train right away. Um, the opportunities are endless, really. Um, and it's just up to us and making sure people know what's available to them. That's awesome. Uh, lastly, Lieutenant, give me a little uh, bit of where people can find some of the great memories and everything that happened here during Navy Week in Tucson. You can find our schedule of events on at Navy Outreach. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and hashtag Navy Week. Hashtag Navy Week. You heard it. I've got... I believe a couple more questions before you go. Uh, one is, what future career plans do you have there? Uh, is it staying in the Navy? Because it seems like you might be lifers. So I, I just re-enlisted about a month ago So for five more years. So that's going to take me to right at 20. Um, then I'll have a decision to make. I'll be able to retire at that point and okay. start receiving a pension immediately for the rest of my life at the age of 42. Wow. Uh, that's pretty good selling point. Um, yeah. But I joined when I was 18. Out of high school, I'd be retiring next year. Wow. So as a 38-year-old. I mean, that is that is really, when you think about it, it's incredible. You're still young enough to go have an entire another career and do that for 20 or 30 years. But to answer your question, I would really like to get my private, uh, private pilot's license oh. and eventually um, become a full-time employed pilot. I've already taken a couple lessons. I think I have a natural inclination for it. Um, some of the instructors already said that, People, some of the things that people uh, struggle with most is the weather, and I've already got that down. <laughs> you sure do. So really, as long as I can keep the aircraft in the air, I think I'll be all right. That's fantastic. And how about you, Lieutenant? I started off as a enlisted and uh, got a uh, commission later in my career, so I am hoping to uh, stay in for a few more years. I already have my 20, um, but as I mentioned earlier, um, I love uh, serving my country, so I'm going to stay in the Navy as long as they'll let me. That's the spirit. All right, last hard-hitting question. I don't know if it's a government secret, but you're going to have to answer it here with me. Favorite cartoon character. Is it Donald Duck or is it Popeye the Sailor Man? Got to go with Popeye. Yeah? 
I'm, I'm Popeye as well. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. This was amazing. Today, we made friends with aerographer mate, Chief Petty Officer Brian Stone. Did I say that right? Correct. All right. As well as Public Affairs Officer Lieutenant Jill Brown. You got mine right. Mine's a lot easier than his. It sure is. Thanks so much for being here, and thank you for your service. Hey, celebrate Navy Week. Go down to that rodeo. Let's have some fun. This was Lifestyle Tucson. Quick recap. So don't forget to go check out the Tucson Rodeo and go see some of those Navy folks doing the national anthem. And I believe that there's a lot to find out at Navy Outreach. That's how you find them on Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff. Or just use hashtag Navy Week. I want to thank our new friends in the United States Navy. You've been listening to Lifestyle Tucson. For more information about our program or to listen to something you may have missed, go to the Sunday Mornings page on klpx.com, kfma.com, mixfm.com, or espntucson.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are enlisted. I'm your BFF Frank Powers, Toot Toot Tucson. I love you the most. <laughs>